You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Our reading this afternoon is from the Word of God, the book of Psalms, Psalm 135. The whole Bible is rich with teaching about God's name and about God's holiness. The two of them do come together in this psalm and also other aspects that the catechism brings out as it teaches about honoring the name of God. And so we'll read this psalm together. Pay particular attention to the name of the Lord and how the psalmist speaks of the name. Psalm 135. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise Him, you servants of the Lord. You who minister in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praise to His name, for that is pleasant. For the Lord has chosen Jacob to be His own, Israel to be His treasured possession. I know that the Lord is great, that our Lord is greater than all gods. The Lord does whatever pleases Him. In the heavens and on the earth and the seas and all their depths, He makes clouds rise from the ends of the earth. He sends lightning with the rain and brings out the wind from His storehouses. He struck down the firstborn of Egypt, the firstborn of men and animals. He sent His signs and wonders into your midst, O Egypt, against Pharaoh and all his servants. He struck down many nations and killed mighty kings. Sihon, king of the Amorites, Og, king of Bashan, and all the kings of Canaan. He gave their land as, as an inheritance, an inheritance to his people Israel. Your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your renown, O Lord, through all generations. For the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, made by the hands of men. They have mouths but cannot speak, Eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but cannot hear. Nor is there breath in their mouths. Those who make them will be like them. And so will all who trust in them. O house of Israel, praise the Lord. O house of Aaron, praise the Lord. O house of Levi, praise the Lord. You who fear Him, praise the Lord. Praise be to the Lord from Zion. To Him who dwells in Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Our text this afternoon is the Word of God as it's summarized and confessed by the church in Lord's Day 47 of the Heidelberg Catechism. That's in the section on prayer. It's in the part explaining about the Lord's Prayer. And in Lord's Day 47, we come to the first petition, Hallowed be your name. What is the first petition? Hallowed be your name. That is, grant us first of all that we may rightly know you and sanctify, glorify, and praise you in all your works in which shine forth your almighty power, wisdom, goodness, righteousness, mercy, and truth. Grant us also that we may so direct our whole life, our thoughts, words, and actions, that your name is not blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. Beloved 
congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, this afternoon in the regular preaching of the Heidelberg Catechism, we come to the first petition, the first petition in the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that the Lord Jesus taught His disciples in response to the question, Lord, how should we pray? And so we continue to learn about the model of prayer, and not necessarily that we always need to pray these words, but that these are the sort of words and these are the sort of requests that we should make before God, our Father. Our Father who loves to hear us in prayer. Our Father who loves to have us come to Him in prayer and listen to us. He delights in that. And so we come to the first petition, hallowed be your name. And just I just want to point out that that's our theme this afternoon, hallowed be your name, not hallowed by your name. That was a typo on my part. It's an intriguing thought. Maybe could follow that up at another time, but for this afternoon, it's hallowed be your name. But before we even consider what the Catechism teaches on this petition, hallowed be your name, we're going to have to look at the first point there, understanding the first petition. And that's because some of the language there might be unfamiliar to you, or you might not really know what even those words are saying. Hallowed? What does that word even mean? We associate that perhaps with October, the end of October. Uh, other than that, I don't know how often we hear the word hallow other than in this prayer. And we'll also consider the name of God. But even before we do that, there's one thing that we should notice about these petitions here in the Heidelberg Catechism. It was pointed out to me when I was a catechism student, and that is that all of these prayers, uh, that all of these answers are actually set up as prayers. And the answers that the Heidelberg Catechism gives what is the first petition? Hallowed be your name. That is, and then what follows is in fact a prayer. You could pray, O oh Lord, grant us first of all, and continue on. And the second thing to point out is that that, that language, grant us, you'd probably perhaps be better off thinking of that in terms of help us. Help us. The Catechism was originally written in German, and although I don't know German, from what I have read, that is another acceptable translation. And it, it sort of helps to set your mind in the right place as you understand these requests. They are requests to God, and they're requests that come from a, a place of humility, a place of need. Oh Lord, we need you to help us Honor your name. Hallow your name. I don't really know you properly. I don't really praise you all the time for your wondrous works. My whole life is not directed to your praise. Dear Father, I need you to help me and to help our whole world to honor your name. And what is it then that we need help with? Well, it's only the most comprehensive, overarching, primary goal and purpose of our entire existence and the existence of the whole world. That is 
the substance of this petition that God's name would be honored, would be glorified, would be hallowed. That is the purpose for which we and everything exists. So glorifying God, honoring God, hallowing God is what the first petition is all about. But as we said, that's not immediately obvious. We need to consider what do those words mean? What does the word hallowed actually mean? Well, the word hallow is a bit of an older English word that means to to make holy or to honor as holy. Now, God is holy. We can't add to his holiness in that sense. He is what he is. He is the holy, holy, holy God. But we can honor him as holy. We can give him the honor that he is due. That's what this word hallowed is talking about. To hallow God's name is in our minds, in our actions, in our thoughts, in our words, in our whole life, to honor God's name as special and as holy, as set apart, as pure. And that gets into then what the word, uh, sorry, that helps to explain what the word hallowed means. And some English translations, as they translate these words of the Lord Jesus, say, let your name be hallowed, or honor your name as holy, or may your name be treated as holy. That's what hallowed means. But the second thing that could escape our, our grasp, our understanding, is what this word name means. Now, if you're aware of the Catechism's teaching on the Third Commandment, then you're probably aware of the significance that the Lord's name has. In the third commandment, God taught us, or commanded us, not to misuse His name. God's name is, is precious, very significant, very meaningfully, meaningful. And this can escape our, our understanding these days because we don't take names as, as seriously or even as theologically as the Israelites did. In the Old Testament, even the names they gave to their children were were very significant. They meant a lot to them. And not that our names aren't that significant, but generally we don't we don't understand the meanings of those names as, as strongly as the Israelites would have. And so the Israelites also understood that there was significance in God's name, in God's names. And that's because of what a a name represents. In Psalm 135, as we read it together, you you get this parallelism where God's name actually refers to who He is. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praise to His name, for that is pleasant, in verse 3. So, the name of the Lord is there equal to the Lord Himself. So name refers to God in, in who God is. God's name points us to who God's, God is. And God, in revealing His names to us, in fact, revealed who He was to us. He revealed Himself to His people as the God who provides. The God who hears. God Almighty. And in those names, he reveals something of his character. 
Just last week, we, we considered how meaningful it is that we can call the Almighty Holy God Father. That name, that title is very significant. It teaches us about how we relate to God and even more how God relates to us. And no name is more profound than the name that's spelled out in your Bibles with all capital letters. And you could have seen it there also in Psalm 135. All capital letters, Lord, the name Yahweh. This is the name that God directly revealed to His people through Moses. And it means, I am who I am. It speaks to God's faithfulness to His people. It speaks to the fact that God doesn't change. It speaks to His presence. I am with you. In the context of God's covenant with His people, His, His promises that He has made to be their God and that they would be His people, it assures us of our place with Him and His love, relationship, and care for us. So that is, that's what the first petition is talking about when it's talking about your name. The name of God. Hallowed be your name. O Lord, may you be hallowed. So now that we know a little bit more about what these words mean, we can move on to consider what we're praying for when we pray this petition. And the first thing that we are praying for is, you can see in the answer in Lord's Day 47, grant us first of all that we may rightly know you. Know you. Our tendency as human beings, the Apostle Paul points out in Romans 1, is in fact not to know God rightly. Our tendency as human beings, our tendency in our sinful nature is to warp who God is, to distort Him, to make Him fit our own desires, or to make Him reflect ourselves. What we think is important And so this thought, this reality, emphasizes the need to pray this petition, and then in this first place, to pray that we might rightly know God. Help us, O Lord, to rightly know You. Well, God's name reveals who He is. And this is a good place to start in considering who God is. And we've already looked at that. He's the God who hears, the God who provides. His, his name, the Lord, reveals His covenant love and faithfulness to us. So God's name reveals who He is. God's works also reveal who He is. The things that God does, the things even that happen in this world, reveal who God is, his, all His mighty works, His works of creation and providence and salvation. But a question for you would be, the Bible speaks about the flood as being something that God did, God's works. And so does, does a flood today, does a flood in, in Memphis, Tennessee or in Manitoba, does that reveal God in the same way that the flood did at the time of, of Noah? Or does a famine in Texas or in Alberta reveal God in the same way that a famine did to Israel in the time of Elijah? 
Well, the answer is no. No. The big difference is that God reveals Himself through His Word. And His Word teaches us what that flood in the time of Noah and what that famine in the time of Elijah was really all about. And so God does reveal Himself through His creation, through His, through also His providence, the way that He upholds and governs the world. But the most reliable way of, of knowing God as He truly is, is knowing Him through His Word. God's Word interprets history for us. God's Word interprets the acts of God, the flood, the famine, and teaches us what God is revealing through that, through His providence. In those particular instances, He's revealing His justice, His holiness, and His judgment. The Bible gives us interpreted history, you could say. It's not just bare facts. It's not just, it's important to know that these certain things happen. But it's teaching us history so that we might, through that, learn to know God more. To know Him rightly. To teach Him. To teach us about Him. The Bible is, in fact, God's self-revelation. On every page of this book, God is revealing Himself. And so if we are to rightly know God, that's going to require us to read our Bible, to understand our Bible, to understand what God is communicating to us about Himself as we read our Bibles. That's a very important thing, actually, in reading the Bible. Asking that question, What does this passage tell me about God? Often we can read the Bible and we can find that it might relate to our lives in different ways and and we might be tempted to interpret it in certain ways based on how applicable it is to our life. But the first question that we should always ask of God's Word after we understand uh, the passage properly is, what is this teaching me about God? So the story of David and Goliath might seem to teach us that the little guy can defeat the big guy. That if you stand up, you can take down any giant that stands before you. But in fact, what God is revealing about Himself in that is that He is the one who brings salvation. And David even acknowledges that. He says, the battle belongs to the Lord. It's not about the little guy versus the big guy. It's about God versus the enemies of God and God blessing His servants. And so the whole Bible is teaching us about God. And the whole Bible, most importantly, is teaching us about salvation. And it's teaching us about salvation through Jesus Christ. God's Word is... The driving message of God's Word is that God is a God who saves and that He has saved through the sending of His Son, Jesus Christ, into the world. And so the Bible teaches us to know God more, to know God rightly, and helps us then to honor God, to honor God as He is, to praise God for who He is 
The point that I'm getting to here, you might be wondering, I thought this was about prayer. Why are we all of a sudden talking about Bible study? Is that the two of these things go hand in hand. God speaks to us through His Word. We speak to God through prayer. God teaches us about Himself through His Word. We ask God that He would teach us about Himself through prayer. Prayer is sort of half the conversation. The other half happens when God speaks to us through His Word, when He speaks to us through the regular preaching of His Word, when He speaks to us as we listen to His Word. And so we need to learn, in in order to honor God's name as holy, we need to be attentive to the Lord as He reveals Himself. That He would teach us to know Him better, rightly, truly, so that we can honor Him as He truly is, the Almighty God. So we need to rightly know God. That's the first thing that we're asking when we ask, hallowed be your name. Teach us, O Lord, who you are. We're also asking that we would rightly praise God for all his works. Knowing God, then, is a prerequisite for praising God. But without knowing God, then we can't praise God properly. To know God, in fact, necessarily draws praise from us. It's comparable to, to, watching a spectacular sunset. It evokes awe from you. It it evokes feelings. It evokes a response. Well, how much more than just a sunset is a part of God's creation should not knowing God Himself evoke praise and honor and worship from us? And so this is our prayer. O Lord, cause us not just to know You more, but to have the knowledge of You so affect us, so strike us, that we're drawn to sanctify, glorify, and praise You. And understanding this, we move on in our understanding of God's purpose in this world through His Word. It's not simply that we would know Him, but God reveals Himself to us that we would worship Him. Now we come back to what we touched on earlier. What is the most comprehensive, overarching, primary goal and purpose of our entire existence and the existence of the whole world? It is the substance of this petition here. O Lord, may Your name be worshipped. And may Your name be worshipped in all Your works. In all Your works. Notice that we're not asking that God's works would show forth His almighty power, wisdom, goodness, righteousness, mercy, and truth. These qualities are always present in all of God's activities, from His creation of the world, to His providence, His care, His governance of the world, to His mighty acts of salvation, of course, climaxing in Jesus Christ. Those characteristics of God are always there in creation. The problem is not with God and His works. That's not what we need help with. God's God's power and wisdom and righteousness shines forth from all He does, just like light shines forth from the sun. You can't stop it. The problem 
what we need help with is that it's possible for us to close our eyes to the power and wisdom and righteousness, mercy and truth of God that He displays in His works. We don't always recognize the character of God as displayed in the things that He does, in even the things that He's done and revealed in His Word, or the things that He does in our lives, or the things that He does in this world. And therefore, that is why we pray. We pray because it's possible for us to close our eyes to all that God reveals in His works. But we ask that God would open our eyes. Paul says this in Ephesians 1, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints and His incomparably great power for us who believe. And so the the second thing that we pray when we pray this petition, hallowed be your name, is, dear Father, open wide the eyes of our hearts and the hearts of many others besides us so that we all might respond in worship, sanctifying, glorifying, and praising you from whom all things came and for whom we live. And finally, we come to the third request that we make of God when we ask Him to hallow His name. And that is that we would honor God with our lives. When we ask that God's name would be hallowed, we not only ask that it would be honored as holy by us, but that God's name would be hallowed in us, through us. That's what the Catechism teaches in the second part there when it says, help us to so direct our whole life, our thoughts, words, and actions, that your name is not blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. When you pray this petition, hallowed be your name, you are in fact asking that God would make you more holy. That God would make you more holy in your thoughts in order that God might be worshipped in the world, my thoughts need to become more pure. Hallowed be your name, O Lord. Hallowed be your name in my mind and all the other thoughts of my mind. O Lord, remove from our mind violent and sexual fantasies, feelings of, of hatred, selfish patterns and renew our minds that your name might be hallowed. We're praying that God would make us more holy in our words because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Like James says, the tongue is a powerful weapon for evil and for good. O Lord, may our tongues be purified and bridled to your purpose. May your name always be kept holy By our words. We're asking that God would make us more holy in our actions. A sanctified life will come out in your actions. And your actions will subsequently be driven by that that overarching desire to see that God's name is honored as holy. 
It's not just our thoughts, it's not just our words, but it's what we do with our hands. We considered that a little bit this morning. Oh Lord, let our hands be compelled to activity that builds esteem for your name in, in caring for our neighbors, in giving to the poor, in serving in your kingdom. And of course, these three things, thoughts, words, and actions, what the catechism is trying to communicate is the totality of life. That our whole life would be for the honor and praise of God. Our emotions, our priorities, our decisions, may they all be focused, may they all be, may they all have as their purpose the honor of God's name. The goal of it all, the result of this purified life, is to make you more holy in your worship and therefore to hallow the name of God. That's what it's all about. As your life is purified, as your worship is purified, it becomes more God-honoring. To ask that God would purify your heart then is what you are asking in the first petition. And... As God makes you more holy, and, and, and as we more and more honor God and hallow His name by our thoughts, words, and deeds, then we join the great throng of believers, all those who have gone before, and even the angels in heaven who are ceaselessly and proudly and beautifully assembled around the throne of God, day and night, crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. Almighty. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.